Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Heart to Heart with Adoptions from the Heart podcast. My name is Amanda Aliberti, social worker at Adoptions from the Heart. We welcome you to our agency podcast, a platform to hear voices from all members of the adoption triad. We will be connecting with other organizations and professionals to collaborate about the services we offer our clients. We look forward to our audience learning more about adoption and the future growth of our community. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of our Heart to Heart podcast. We're so happy to be with you today. Today, we have two special guests with us, and our topic is birth parent and adoptee searches. First person we have with us today is Helen Blair Schuler. Helen is retired from her full-time position as administrator of Orphans Court Services for Montgomery County. She continues to provide adoption search services as the court-designated authorized representative to adopting individuals and birth family members. These are members who petitioned the court for access to information on their adoption records. Helen also helped develop and train the curriculum for the court agency appointed authorized representatives as required by Act 101 of 2010. Act 101 2010 is a Pennsylvania Act that uh, put into place some open adoption parameters. Helen uh, formerly supervised county children and youth foster and adoption programs. She has also written curricula and trained on various adoption and permanency related topics for the PA Child Welfare Resource Center throughout the state. Helen also served as chair in search of information subcommittee of the Joint State Government Commission Advisory Committee on Adoption Law. Helen is a former member of the statewide adoption and permanency network SWAN. And she also was a previous recipient of the Permanency Advocate Recognition Award by the Department of Human Services Office in Children, Family, and Youth. So, Helen, we're so happy to have you here with us. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. It's exciting. It's my first podcast. <laughs> well, welcome. We're so happy to have you here. We also have with us today uh, Marilyn Rich. Uh, Marilyn has a bachelor's degree in social work and a master's degree in counseling. And she has been in the reproductive health care field for 43 years. For the last 28 years, she has been the district supervisor with Adoptions from the Heart in the Central PA region. At Adoptions from the Heart, Marilyn is also the agency's search coordinator. So she assists adoptees who seek contact with their birth parents and birth parents who want to reconnect with their children that they place for adoption and, and, and lost contact after some time. Adoptions from the Heart is a licensed non-secretary nonprofit agency, and we are licensed in additional states besides the state of Pennsylvania. We're also located in New Jersey, Delaware, New York, Virginia, and Connecticut. And so Maryland also offers services to adoptees and birth parents who are, who are searching in those states as well, as well as many other states in the United States. Maryland is personally affected by adoption as she was placed for adoption at a time when open adoption was not common. Her adoptive parents understood the value of relationships with one's family history. Marilyn has been able to enjoy some of the benefits of having knowledge and understanding of some of her biological connections. She also understands what it feels like to be missing parts of the past with no control or decision-making ability in the adoption plan. She wants to be able to provide answers to those who seek more information about their biological families. Marilyn, we're so happy to have you here with us today. Thank you for being here. Uh, yes, thank you so much. This is a very needed topic, and I'm so glad that we're covering it today. 
Yeah. I, I, you know, I think that a, a lot of people who are learning about adoption, you know, are, are usually first learning about open adoption and what that means. And things have certainly changed, you know, in recent years where there where open adoption is more common, but there, you know, there's, we've been around for 35 years and we certainly hear uh, clients come back who've lost contact or who perhaps, um, you know, never had any contact. There are a lot of searches that happen that we see. And so I, I just was wondering, though, um, for our listeners, Helen, if you could give us some background on what, what a search is and, and, and what, what, what that looks like. Sure. So the adoption statute was first changed back in 1984, which uh, gave adoptees the ability to go back to their agencies or the court which finalized their adoption to seek information. And we could release non-identifying information and identifying information. So back in 1984, that was only for adoptees making the request to search for birth parents. And when I mentioned identifying information, we would actually have to search and locate the birth parent to get their written permission to release their identity. So if a birth parent was located and chose not to release their identity, we were not able to do that. Um, and then fast forward to 2010, which you mentioned Act 101 of 2010, which went into effect in 2011, that opened up the parameters for searching. So that allowed birth family members not only to be the subject of a request, but they could also make a request too. And there's very specific, there's some age requirements. If it's an adoptee that is the subject of the search, the adoptee must be 21 if a birth parent or birth family member is looking for them. But it had really done a wonderful job in opening up who can make a request for a search. This is including siblings and who can be the subject of the search. So we've been working under that amendment for um, about 10, 11 years now. And I have experienced doing searches for siblings. I've done searches on behalf of birth parents. So it's been a very interesting learning curve in doing that. Another important aspect, just to give um, our listeners an idea, another yeah. important aspect of Act 101 is that it required the people that were providing this service, the authorized representatives, that's the language of the statute, to mm -hmm. receive a training. So it was a 12-hour training for people to understand the dynamics behind adoption, the dynamics within searching and reunion. So everybody's pretty much on the same page and understands the confidentiality per parameters. Right. So um, Act 101 has really kind of brought us more into the present day openness and how important it is, the biological connections. Yeah, I can imagine it's a very complex process. Um, you know, a lot goes into it, a lot involved. And so, um, Marilyn, you, you know, do you, so do you see searches happen often here at Adoptions from the Heart? Uh, I would say yes, quite often. Usually involves um, adult adoptees who uh, begin a search, and many are as young as 18. Quite often, they have the love and support of their parents who are assisting them in that search. It's uh, very rewarding to see all the dynamics that have gone on all through the years 
and the openness between the adoptive parents and the adoptee. But it's it's really helpful to have that family support when somebody actually is ready to begin that search. But even if they don't and they haven't discussed it with anyone, they're welcome to call. And I think making the phone call is the hardest part. Once you make that first call, just to gather the information, and then you may take a few months or a few years until you actually act upon that very first call. So right. there's no magic timeline and there's no right or wrong way to do any of this. It, it has to be comfortable for you and you need to do the search when you feel is best for you. So let's talk a little bit about confidentiality because you know when people are thinking about searches, I'm sure a lot of people think about private investigators or they think about going on social media um, you know, and, and, and really diving in. So, you know, uh, Helen, you talked a little bit about getting releases for some information. And so how do you balance confidentiality and, and searches? That's a good point, Jenna. And the statute specifically speaks to confidentiality and how as an authorized representative, we cannot, the, our actions cannot allow other people to know why we're searching especially for a birth parent. So we have to be very careful in how we go about trying to locate people versus a private investigator would canvas old neighbors, et cetera. That's not, that would not, I would not consider that appropriate for an authorized rep to do that. So we do have some boundaries. Um, I do want to mention though, uh, in Pennsylvania, the records still technically are, are sealed. The adoption records are sealed and considered closed. There was also a, an amendment that allowed Pennsylvania Department of Health to release the original birth certificate. And so that's important. And that's only for adoptees to make a request for their original birth certificate. So they don't get the original birth certificate, but what they, they get what is called a non-certified copy of the original birth record. So that would have the birth mother and birth father, if he was identified on the birth certificate, their names can be released and the date of birth for the, adop uh, the adoptee, also the adoptee's original name would be released. So it's not everything that's contained on the birth record, but it's a, a non-certified copy. So it's basically a summary. So that allows a lot of adoptees to, some prefer to do the search on their own. Mm -hmm. But where, and again, that's just for an adoptee to make the request or a descendant of a deceased adoptee. So that does not cover the birth family members, which are covered under Act 101. So they would come to Maryland if it was through your agency, or they would go to the court, which finalized their adoption. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so I imagine there's some differences then with what an agency search looks like versus what a private search would look like. You're, you're absolutely right. I'll tell you from the court perspective, mm -hmm. um, again, I typically do, the searches that I do are when there was not an agency involved. And in Pennsylvania, that was quite common. Uh, you would have uh, adoptions facilitated by a lawyer, you would have them facilitated by a physician, 
or family, friends, knowing of someone. So a lot of the searches that I do, there was no agency involved. Because of that, I don't have very much information. So when we talk about releasing non-identifying information, I have very little non-identifying information. It's what I can gather from the court record or the notes of testimony. And it, it's rare, if ever, that I've ever had any medical information directly in the file. So that kind of, uh, when people are coming to the court, they have this idea that we have a whole wealth of information and that we're, we, we don't have it to give. Right. So um, that's, right. that's a one specific difference. And very often, I don't even have a date of birth for mm -hmm. the birth parents. I'll have, you know, the birth mother was 22 years old mm -hmm. at the time. So I have a lack of information very yeah, often. Yeah, yeah. You got to start really from scratch there. Yes. Wow. And so Marilyn, at the agency, you know, does the agency maintain records for a period of time or? Absolutely. Our requirements with the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania is 99 years. We have access to records. And often when I do make a connection with an adoptee or with their adoptive parents, they still have folders and information that was given to them at the time of placement. Because we are an open adoption agency, we wanna make sure that all the information we can possibly provide is given at that time of placement. So that includes the medical background information and anything that birth parents wanted to share during that time period. Many situations involve contact through the years as far as pictures, letters, or the occasional visits, but sometimes perhaps laps if um, people move or they get out of touch, and sometimes we'll get calls for that if they're trying to reconnect and get back in touch again. There are many levels of openness with the agency. Again, not one right or wrong, but really is helpful when the adoptees are coming to us with some background information. But even if they don't have it, we can fill in a lot of those pieces for them. And as Helen said, some of those things she doesn't have access to that I'm, I may be able to fill in some of those pieces for them with some of the background medical information for sure. Right. So who's making the call? You know, when, when, when you get a referral, let's say it's an adoptee and they're looking for their birth parents or, or, or you know, uh, confidentiality, you know, I'm assuming you're not giving out the number to the adoptees. So are you, are the two of you the first ones to make that call? And what is that call typically like? Well, what I usually do to tell you the truth, I would not be comfortable doing a cold call. That's just not my personality. Okay. Um, so my usual uh, process is when I'm working, if it's an adoptee making a request to locate the birth parent, I, as part of my process, I ask the adoptee to write what we call a letter of introduction so that it's their words. They can explain why they're interested in searching, you know, release whatever kind of information they're comfortable uh, putting in this letter. I find it's a really good tool when I'm doing a search because it's not it's, it's the adoptee's words. It would not be my words when I locate a birth parent. So that's one aspect that I have the adoptee working on while I'm using my clues and using my search techniques to locate someone. So if I feel that I have a good address for a birth parent and I can, I can find somebody within 20 minutes or I could not find them at all. So mm -hmm. it's, each case is very different. And obviously the younger the birth parent is in terms of now, it's easier to find because they are on the grid versus uh, very often I'm looking for birth parents who are in their seventies and their eighties. And, and that can make it 
much more difficult. So when I feel that I have a good address on the birth parent, I will send a letter and it's a very innocuous letter because I want people to have that, uh, the gift of deniability that, Mm. oh, well, they might, you know, so I'll say I'm searching for, you know, Mary Smith, formerly of Main Street in Norristown, Pennsylvania, just to have it broad enough that if somebody else were to look at this letter, they may not, they don't know technically what it's about. Again, maintaining confidentiality. Yeah. So hopefully then that birth parent will respond and then they'll contact me so that I ask them to contact me and I assure them that their privacy will be respected. And so hopefully they'll contact me and then I'll ask, do you have any idea why I might be searching for you? And very often they'll say, yes, I've had some that say no. And then I go a little deeper and they say no. And I go a little deeper. Okay. <laughs> <They> say no. <laughs> When I, I know pretty much for sure I have the right person, right? but you know, it, it's hitting, you know, and I, and I, when I make contact with a birth parent, uh, among the things I say right from the beginning is I completely understand this is hitting you out of the blue and you don't need to make any kind of decision now. And I just, at that point in time, I feel like I'm, I'm working in the best interests of the adoptee who made the request and the birth parent whom I've located, mm-hmm. just so I give everybody the respect and the uh, opportunity to take some time to think about what they want to do and just to offer them support. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much my initial process. Yeah. And so I assume there's also uh, birth parents, birth mothers or birth fathers who reach out and also are searching for their their children. And so that I imagine that is also a very delicate situation. Are there certain age ranges, you know, and certain processes that are involved in that? Yeah, usually it, it varies in age. Sometimes it's just that they have lost touch for a while. So because we're an open adoption agency, many of them did have contact, but perhaps they moved or relocated um, to an area where they just got out of touch. So they'll reach out. So, so, but like if the child's under 18, like, are is there a process where you would reach out to the adoptive parents first? Like when, you know, when is it appropriate to reach out to an adoptee? And cause I'm sure that there has to be some, some fears around, you know, the adoptee knowing they're, they're adopted, you know, especially if they're, if they're, you know, maybe 40 or 50 years old, you know, there's some, you know, we all know there's literature that shows that there, that could be a traumatic experience to learn that information later in life. And so I was just curious if there's, you know, a different process when the roles are reversed. Well, I can speak to that a a little bit. Um, The statute's pretty clear and gives us direction on that. So if the adoptee is the subject of the search, the adoptee must be 21 or older. So we would not have a situation where I would search on behalf of a birth parent asking me to search for the adoptee if the adoptee was under 21. Mm-hmm. And nor would I contact the adoptive parents because the statute doesn't authorize that. The adoptee as the subject of the search must be 21 versus if it's the adoptee making the request for a search the adoptee can be 18 and mm-hmm. the adoptive parents can make a request for a search on behalf of their minor uh, child, the adoptee. So mm-hmm. it's pretty clear to be the subject of the search, they have to be 21. So are these pretty much routine searches or are there, you know, are there, are there typical not routine 
you know, uh, types of things? And, and do you have any anything you could share with us to give us a better a better picture of, of what this looks like? Well, something you just mentioned uh, reminded me of a case that I had. So it's new for us. Well, new last 10 years opening up for birth family members. Right. So I did get a request from um, a birth father to search on behalf of, you know, looking for the son that was relinquished. Mm-hmm. And in this situation, I was able to locate the son, the adoptee. He was in his, I would say, uh, mid to late 20s. And um, I was explaining to him, you know, giving him my, you know, do you have any idea why I might be trying to locate you? You know, and I explained, I work for the court. I work with people who were adopted. Now, do you have any idea? And he said, was I named as a birth father? And I said, no. (laughs) (laughs) But then I said, "Um, well, you know, you were, you were adopted and your birth father's looking for you. And he shared with me that he did not know, he was not aware that he was adopted. And uh, that was, I was shocked. I Mm -hmm. I didn't expect that. I I should have expected that, but I didn't expect that at all. And, you know, so I gently explained to him and he, you know, he was asking, well, was my mother, you know, my mother and then my father was a stepfather and he adopted me. And I uh-huh. said, no, you know, because that's a common situation, a step parent. So yeah, he handled it very well. And um, actually, it was really funny because by the end and I was on the phone with him for about an hour. And by the end of the conversation, he said, this must have been really difficult for you. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, that's that's cool. <laughs> he was very sensitive. And I said, well, you were the first one that this ever happened. So, you you know, thank you for your uh, sensitivity, but I'm more concerned about, about you. you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of a unique situation. And I'm sure Marilyn has a ton of unique situations too. Sure, yeah. sure. And do we see situations where maybe, um, you know, we're doing searches and we realize that they had it wrong back then where maybe, um, you know, who we thought was the father was not the father or, you know, some type of other situation, you know, that would, the information that the adoptee has is inaccurate and it's completely different. I mean, do we usually see those types of things as well? I have, I've had situations. And again, when I mentioned, I don't have very much information in the court record. Mm-hmm. I've had situations where when I locate the birth parent, they share with me that the uh, conception was as a result of a sexual assault. Mm-hmm. And that's nowhere in the record. Mm-hmm. And the assumption is the adoptee and very often the adoptee was not aware of that. So that's, you know, again, we have to be able to handle any kind of situation with sensitivity right. and, and understanding. Mm-hmm. So Marilyn, I know that at, uh, agencies typically get at the time of consents, at least today in 2021, we get, uh, we get consents of you know, do, would you like future contact? Can your child contact you when they're 18? And the state of Pennsylvania also has paperwork that we have to fill out as well. Uh, I'm curious though, you know, for, for cases that are older or, you know, or even more recent, have you had experiences where you've maybe you've contacted that birth parent and they've changed their mind? You know, maybe they initially said they wanted contact and then they now they don't or vice versa. Have you seen cases like that? Uh, yes. All our clients fill out a confidentiality statement as you as you offered there. And it's extremely helpful for them as the years progress to check back in and just confirm 
that things are the way they were maybe 20 years ago or 10 years ago. But when I initially reach out, I'm always checking first for that confidentiality form to make sure that it is acceptable to contact them. And then once we make contact, uh, most of my experience has been that they are welcoming and looking forward to contact. But occasionally, I have had people who have moved on with their lives and are not interested in any contact at this time. So I will try to gather whatever updated medical information I can, anything that would be beneficial for the adoptee to have. And then obviously, as Helen had explained earlier, the adoptee certainly could fill out the form with the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and get a copy of their original birth certificate if they choose to do that. And for birth parents, they have the option of having that information redacted. So they would have to complete a form to not have that information given out. So that is an option that they do have available to them. But counseling is um, huge. And it's very important that all our adoptees, when they're reaching out or our birth parents reaching out, that they know that they can trust the agency and that they feel that their confidentiality is always, always respected. If you lose trust, you've lost everything. So um, we always want to make sure that they know they have a safe place to fall when they come to Adoptions from the Heart, and we will look out for them at all costs. They are to be respected no matter where they fall on wanting contact or not wanting contact. It's difficult for adoptees because there's often a sense of lack of control because you want to know this information, it's yours and you feel entitled to it, but we cannot invade the space and the privacy of someone else in order to get what we want. So we try to do that the best way possible so that everyone feels totally satisfied. Um, I worked with a woman recently who her daughter was placed when she was still a teen and living in another state, wasn't with adoptions from the heart. And the daughter moved to California and used a private searcher who unearthed everything possible <laughs> to make a connection with her. And it was invasive and she felt totally violated. And once you hear what that sounds like, it's extremely painful and you never forget it. Um, so no one should ever feel that sense of violation. They should be warmly accepted. And it has created so many, many more problems than it ever should have had it been dealt with in a different way. So it's so, so important when somebody begins a search to deal with someone that you know is going to be respectful of all the different parties that are involved in that adoption triad. That's a great point. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. And and so so the two of you are talking a lot about Pennsylvania and a lot about the rules of Pennsylvania. It seems like Pennsylvania really has so, some great programs in place and some great training. And so if you were adopted in Pennsylvania, it seems like you can have a you know experience or at least someone to help you with the search. Do you see other states doing similar things, or you know is there some states that maybe you know don't even have these types of programs? Well, in my experience, Pennsylvania is there. Have, there were states before Pennsylvania that opened up their records and they have different levels. And I would imagine their states currently, I, I don't know, I'm not up on that research at this point, but I imagine there's current 
there's a number of states that don't have any kind of access to their records. You know, I'm familiar with New Jersey. They were before Pennsylvania in opening up the original birth certificates and allowing adoptees to obtain that information. There's a lot of what they are called search angels. They're like on the on the uh, social networks of helping adoptees. I don't know if they have training other than maybe perhaps their own personal experiences. Um, but it's kind of a tricky world out there. I am familiar a number of years ago, certain adoptees would contact me and say, you know, uh, there's an, an agency in such and such state that has guaranteed they'll be able to find my birth parent. And this was before Act 101, or Act, I'm sorry, this was before releasing the original birth certificates. And, you know, adoptees would spend thousands of dollars with this particular agency and and I would say to them how are they if how are they going to search if they don't have the birth parent's name right like ask them that before you pay the money for that so right. I've not heard of this agency recently because uh, now people can access their the summary of their birth certificate but I, I really felt for people that they were being taken advantage of Mm -hmm. um, because you're so emotionally vulnerable at this right. point, you, you, there's, you're going through so many different, uh, you know, do I even, am I entitled to this information? Do I want to disrupt my birth parent's life? It's very complex for people and um, they have to be careful. And just as Marilyn was saying beforehand, know that you're going to be treated with dignity and respect all the parties involved. Yeah. Um, and I also imagine like what Marilyn was saying earlier that, you know, you could make this call and get some information and not move forward for a couple of months because it is such an emotional journey. And so your search may, you know, even if you find that information quickly may not be a very quick reunion um, because, you know, you got to, you got to take things a step at a time. And so I can imagine, you know, that there's, there's a lot of emotion involved in, in this process. Well, and once someone's located, I mean, that, you know, and, and if you have contact with a birth family member, you know, just as we build relationships in everyday life and friendships, you're not automatically connected to somebody. You, you get to know somebody, you have some shared experiences. So that's what I try to suggest to the parties involved that you need some time to get to know one another. You may find you know you might not care for one another. Your values may be so different. Maybe you have different sporting teams that you're fans of. Yeah. You, know, you don't know what you're going to find. So to immediately jump right into a family, like set another place at the table for Thanksgiving, you know, like I'm always trying to tell people just like slow down and take it easy. You want to get to know one another first. That's the most important piece. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you're, co you're connected biologically, but you really don't have any kind of shared experiences at this point. And so for any adoptees or professionals who are working with adoptees who, um, or birth parents, it, it seems like the place to start if you're going to look for a search is to, is to find a trained professional in the field to, to do this, but also to start in, in, the, in the state of where you were born. Is that correct? Well, for Pennsylvania, you can have an adoptee born in Pennsylvania, and then they were subsequently placed in New Jersey or Delaware. The okay. adoption was finalized in that state. The, what we're talking about, or what I'm talking about this morning, is only those adoptions that were finalized in Pennsylvania, because that's, that's what the adoption statute covers, only those finalized in Pennsylvania. 
So, okay. yes. Yeah. So that's interesting. So, so, you know, so in a way, uh, when your adoptees or birth parents are, are looking to start their searches, they really have to, you know, start to figure out where, where these, where the adoption took place, um, because that's where the records will be. Right. And for birth parents, they typically may not know, they may know where their parental rights were relinquished or terminated, but they may not know subsequently where the adoption took place. So if they contact Vital Records, Vital Records will release that information to them, the county in which the adoption was finalized. And then they can contact that orphan's court in that particular county. And very often I'll have people write to me, you know, I was born there's a, you know, hospital, Lankanal Hospital is in Wynwood, And so people will say, well, I was born in Montgomery County. And it doesn't necessarily matter where you were born. It, it matters where the adoption was finalized. So again, contacting vital records, and then I'll be able to tell them, well, your adoption actually was finalized in Delaware County or in Philadelphia County. Right. There is a way to get that information to the person that needs it the most. Yeah. Okay. So um, before we wrap up today, you know, while I have both of you here, um, I was wondering if there's anything else that you felt like really should be shared with our listeners today about um, this process, you know, um, about searches or, or the process of involved in it or anything, you know, around the laws or regulations, um, anything that I missed that you think is really important to, to share? I think it's really important to know that making that first call, it, it probably will not be as painful as you may imagine. Sometimes we don't do things out of fear. And once you've made that call and gather the information, then at least you have um, a place to start. And again, that starting point could happen tomorrow or it could happen six years from now. So just beginning the process is, is probably not as painful as what you might imagine it, it, it could be. For any of our listeners, searching is not for everyone. So it's okay if, if you're listening to this and you're saying, I never had a desire to search and I, I don't want to search even after listening to all this. That's okay too. There is no right or wrong. It's an individual choice about what you feel is best for you for your family and for your future. We just basically take it one step at a time. That's what we're here for, to try to assist you to move forward so that you can have a, a positive life and know that you um, have all those biological connections that you wanted, whether it's medical information or just knowing if you have a biological sister that you never knew you had, all these pieces, puzzle pieces can be, we can try to assist you to fill those in. And I concur with everything Marilyn just said, and she said it so well, I totally concur. I will add though that, um, you know, it, it is all about timing too. And, it, and, you know, when I've located people only to find that perhaps the birth parent is deceased and the adoptee, well, why didn't I do this sooner? Why didn't I do this sooner? To let them off the hook, they weren't ready. It's, it, you have to be ready. The timing is really important. And I will also suggest that when, whether it's a birth parent or a birth family member making the request or the adoptee making the request, make sure you have support. And that's what we encourage people to have. Make sure you mm -hmm. have a supportive community around you, friends and family, because it, it, it can be a real emotional roller coaster. And I often say, you know, once you close the door on searching because you've located the person, all these other doors open up. So right. it's, really, it's really important to have um, some support 
And if things are getting, um, you're getting, uh, you know, not comfortable with the way the reunion's going and, and all of that, then you may want to seek some professional support with an adoption competent therapist that really understands the issues involved. Yeah, that's so important. Yeah, so I'm sure our listeners are thinking, well, we didn't talk about DNA and uh, we are aware that we did not cover DNA today. DNA is a, is a very different but similar topic, um, especially with all these new kits out there, 23andMe, Ancestry.com. There's, there's so many different DNA kits and yes, adoptees are and birth parents are being connected and birth families are being connected through that way. Uh, I know there's some popular television shows, uh, you know, during searches that way. And so our Heart to Heart podcast does plan to have uh, some DNA professionals um, in a future episode. And perhaps maybe the two of you would love to join us on that because I'm sure you have some opinions and, and some information about you know that process as well. So we will cover that in a future podcast. There's certainly uh, people being connected through DNA, um, you know, and these kits, uh, as you may have seen in the news as well. So uh, thank you, ladies, so much for being here with me today. We really appreciate appreciate uh, you taking the time to talk about this very important topic. I hope our listeners uh, enjoyed the conversation today. We will be uh, continuing our season. And if you have any questions about anything we talked about today, you could visit our website at www.afth.org. Adoptions from the Heart also has AFTH TV, uh, where we have several seasons and episodes where we talk more about adoption-related matters. Uh, we also have Ed series on our calendar of events. Please check out our website uh, to learn more about uh, our services, our workshops, and we hope you join us again in the future. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you.